Hey, I am so glad you're here. Honestly, you have no idea. What happens when you have a dream? And then there's a delay. You tend to reduce the size of your expectations. And so right away, this opportunity to produce this show, I want you to know that it's been something that has been birthing for more years than I can count. And so my name is Sam, and I want to welcome you to Faith for Finances. Faith for Finances is an opportunity to look at finances with a whole new, fresh perspective so that we can increase our possibilities within the world that we live in today. While so many people are looking at debt and they're looking at how do I squeeze more out of a little bit, we want to show you how to increase your financial resources so that we can be more free to share and to pursue the plans and the purposes and the dreams and the visions that God has called each of us to for such a time as this. So I'm your host and there's a whole team of us, a team of people that God has gathered and go, hey, you know what, we got to do something about this. Because while everybody is, is worried about it, statistically about 88% of the population, whether they're wealthy or barely getting by, deal every single day with some sort of financial uncertainty. So what do we do? We obviously have to do something a little bit different. And so I'm going to invite you to follow along. Make sure that you subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can go to faithforfinances.com. You get a whole bunch of free stuff. And join the community. We're also on Facebook. Money Minding is the name of the ministry. And um, so welcome. Where do we start? Okay, Faith for Finances. You probably want to know, who is this woman anyways? What is, what is she doing there? Who are we? Who is all this group that is gathered together? Some of my team has been following around since I used to teach corporately. I started in the industry in 1994, but really you could go back even further because I knew as a 20-something-year-old that I needed to figure out this money stuff. And I started looking for a course, and what I found was the Canadian Securities course, because I'm a Canadian, eh? And uh, that course doesn't really teach you how to deal with money on a day-to-day -day basis. But that started it. And they, later, when I went into the industry, I had a wealthy client, a lovely man, owned a couple waterfront homes, clear title, had a few million dollars on deposit with me, but he worried constantly about not having enough money. He was always trying to make sure that his budget was squeezed into this fixed amount of money and getting a, a big return on his investment. And I, I tried desperately to show him that he had more than enough. I would do rates of return and projections and he'd come back with, well, does that mean that your company's not confident managing my money? And it's like, ah, I went looking because he needed to be confident in his position. And every chart, graph, rate of return, every investment opportunity that I could, could uh, lay in front of him would just make him more confused. Because where do we learn about money? We learn on the fly, right? We go to school, we come out of school, we get a job, maybe we get a job while we're still in school, we get a paycheck, what do we do with it? Well, you better save it. 
Well, what happens when you save it? Well, now it's there for what purpose? Well, then you need money for something. But I meet so many young people, and they're, I've got to save my money, I've got to save my money, I've got to save my money. Well, what for? You've got to save it so you can consume it? Well, that's not sustainable. That doesn't line up with the Word of God. So what does is what we're going to do on faith for finances. And there's a lot of scripture that we can reference and we will reference. What, what I think is really important is that we understand that we're not just talking about money. In fact, we're talking about relationships. We're talking about our relationship with the Lord God. We're talking about coming into, bringing Jesus right into the financial conversation. We've typically left him out. And yet he said very clearly that we cannot serve both God and money. The original word is mammon. Mammon is a spiritual force that has really kept us from talking about it. Most people I meet are intimidated to talk about money. They try to do it on their own. Or maybe they're comfortable going to the bank but having come out of the industry, I know that there's, and, and my team knows, you'll meet them and we're going to share our stories about how we all collectively came into this revelation that we need to do something because the Bible says this, but the world teaches us this. And so we can read the truths, but we're trying to apply those biblical truths to a worldview strategy. And instead, the very thing that we're trying to deal with money to solve, we end up fueling the exact opposite. So we need to turn everything upside down. And in that, there are new possibilities because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that includes finances. And we've got so many examples of, well, that's just prosperity. I'm like, I don't know, I read my Bible and it says a lot about prosperity. But if you deal with it from a perspective of limited resources, limitations, then you miss those small things. You miss those seeds. You miss that faith as big as a mustard seed that you can plant into fertile soil that will grow up into a plant that will produce fruit that you can eat, that you can share, that you can replant and that you can grow, that God will cause to water. What does that look like, though? on a day-to-day -day basis is the question that's what, why we're gathering together. What does that look like for bank accounts, for credit cards, for mortgages, for buying cars, for sending your kids through school, for putting yourself through school, for marriages, for uh, what do you do after work? You know, we call that retirement. Retirement, according to Webster's, means non-productive. The Bible says that we actually get more productive, that we increase in the fruit of our righteousness and that there's a big harvest that overflows to help others because the poor we will always have and so as his children we want to be able to overflow to reach out into those dark places to bring Jesus right there to shine his light how do we do that if somebody is over there saying okay this is how much you're worth this is your lifestyle this is when you can take a holiday now be careful this is all you have you better not overspend and be careful about that good debt, bad debt stuff, because if you have any of that bad stuff, then, ooh, you might be bad. And you've got to get rid of that bad stuff, but, but, ooh, don't let anybody know I have this bad stuff. 
it's not good or bad, it just is. In fact, it's the way our whole society works. And so we might intellectually know that, but we need to unbundle it. So what does it look like when we actually apply biblical thinking? When we, when we dare to hope again, when we dare to dream again, when we dare to say, oh God, I want to do your will. You've given me this desire. I have no idea how that's going to come together. But I trust that you have good plans and good purposes for me. And I'm going to look at, at uh, Hebrews 11, and I'm going to say that now, meaning right now, today, faith, your faith in me is the substance. It's substantial. I can do something with it. I don't know what that is, but I trust you of things hoped for. I hope for things. I hope for the community to prosper because as the community prospers, so do you. That's Jeremiah 29.7. Right before 29.11, where we all like to quote that I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to not cause you harm, plans to give you hope and a future. That future, what is that hope? So it's the things, it's the hope, it's the, the evidence there's power in hope. But if all we can hope for is what we can see, where's our faith? Where's our faith? What does it look like? It looks like we gather together. So I said I'd share a bit of our story. How is it that I went from managing millions of dollars, making a lot of money, to experiencing bankruptcy, and then growing a business, and then losing that business, in, with an unscrupulous advisor, staying married. In fact, having a better marriage than when we started. Having a beautiful daughter and son-in-law and, and friends that have stood by. My team of financial professionals, they've been around since that corporate life. How is it that God just keeps saying, come on, come on, come on, you can do it. Get up, get up, get up, get up and do it again. Because money will cause discouragement. It'll cause you to look inward. It'll cause you to identify yourself based on what you can see or think you can see. It'll cause you to dream based on what you think you can see or not see. In fact, we are taught, and as financial professionals, we teach people to take what they have, save it, and then make their dreams that size. Come on, that's not what God says. But then we come back to, well, how does that work? That how, it's not how, it's what and who. Because when you know what and you know who, who God is, who Jesus is, who Jesus is in you, who you are in him, he will lead you to the other people. One of our stories is we, um, we experienced a bankruptcy. And uh, it was a, one of those unusual situations that happened right after we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so kind of classic in a way, because the word lands and then poof, the enemy comes to steal it. And so he tried really hard because everybody that we were dealing with said, oh, well, it's okay. You know, I've never seen it happen like this before, but we'll do this and we'll do that. And it's like, okay, whatever. Um, and it was tough because we had lived a pretty normal middle-class lifestyle and within a very short period of time we were flipped upside down like a turtle on its back with with the rug ripped out from underneath us and after that 
we were, our stuff was in storage, we were living close to where we had a home that had the garden featured on the garden of the week. And um, I was not happy. I tend to not be happy when I'm living outside of God's will. And uh, God said, you want a house? Go buy a house. And I'm like, I don't know how to buy a house. I've managed investments. How do you buy a house when you've got bad credit, no money down, new self-employed income, and it's a really hot real estate market, and your daughter is about to start school, and you want to live in a particular area that happens to be the high demand area in the community that you live in, one of the most expensive communities in the nation. I can tell you what we do. The hardest thing we did was to take this simple little tool called a pen, and pick it up. The thing must have weighed a million pounds. But you pick it up. The second hardest thing was to actually grab a piece of paper and to do what we're told in the Word of God in Habakkuk 2.2 and to write the vision, to make it plain so that a runner could run with it. For surely it will come to pass, though it may tarry. We wrote it down and we still, in fact, on the Facebook page, on the Money Mining Facebook page, I just recently shared that original list. Six months later, we had bought and were living in the home that we ended up raising our daughter in. But I'll tell you, the second hardest thing was to open our mouth and say, I don't know how to face the pride and to say, we need help. We don't know how. This is what we want. This is why we want it. We don't know how. I talked to six six <laughs> mortgage brokers and four of them said yeah no I don't think so one of them actually said that we should move out of town save our money and come back in four or five years well it turns out the house we bought doubled in value within about a year and a half so that's never gonna work because real estate is an investment and saving money is not we're actually working against the system when we start thinking we're gonna save and consume two of them said maybe and then in the course of talking to people, I learned some strategies, and I've shared this many, many, many times. It actually took four loans to purchase that house. And it took us looking. Because the third thing was to actually walk into it and to tell people that, hey, you know what, we're looking for a house. We didn't know how, we just did. We looked at everything. We probably looked at 100 houses and went into 50. And eventually we got discouraged. <laughs> I say eventually, it was only six months, but we got discouraged. We found one that we really, really liked. Interestingly, it didn't meet our criteria, but we liked it. And so um, we didn't get it. It wasn't where God wanted us, I guess. And uh, so we stopped looking. And then a friend said, hey, did you guys see that house? I was like, no. It was in the paper. Well, it was a private sale. Anyways, we met the people, lovely people. We worked out the, the deal um, sitting around the kitchen counter. And uh, God gave us a house that was actually undervalued. And one of the principles of buying real estate is equity. You build up equity on day zero every time you make a payment. So how do you buy houses? How do you do this when the world is trying to regulate and to squeeze and to reduce? You need your team. And you need to start asking some different questions and understand that what we're taught is not necessarily uh, the most efficient, most effective. We're taught fear-based. We're taught reduce your risk. We're taught to, to be careful. It's all you have. You better hold on tight. And that's not God's plan. God's plan is to give and it will be given unto you and to sow and to reap. And we invite you into community because it's not just what you know, it's who you know.
so that you can learn to ask the questions, so then you can learn to source out the people, you can source out the strategies. It doesn't matter that I'm in Canada. In my corporate world, we had people all around the globe because you learn to ask different questions, and when you ask different questions, you get different results. When you learn to bring Jesus in and to face that pride and to recognize that even incredibly wealthy, knowledgeable people in the financial world will admit that they know nothing. So I'm a messenger. This is my story. We want to know what your story is. So you can follow along at faithforfinances.com. Please subscribe and get a free account uh, because there's all kinds of tools and templates and things that we'll be referring to in the show. Join us on Facebook. Ask some questions. There's a financial prayer site because everything is birthed in prayer. Uh, we've got YouTube and um, ask questions. Let's deal with the questions. Let's just like cut through all this stuff. Forget the how. That'll come. The how comes as we deal with the what and the who. What's important? Why is it important? Why is it important now? That's a good question, and we're going to deal with that. Because if we don't deal with it now, we're actually accelerating the very thing that we think we're trying to get rid of, thinking that we're doing the right thing. But a buck here, ten bucks here, there, and everywhere is actually giving away our power, and we need to bring Jesus back into that. Because Revelation is really, really clear that Satan is going to use money to enslave all people, not just God's people, all people. And the, the Bible says that we need great wisdom. Wisdom comes by gathering together, where we can then collectively get the knowledge, and then we can pray where two or more are gathered together, then he gives us his wisdom. You know, uh, my team is scattered across the country, and we stayed connected through technology. And uh, some of that team I've actually just met person to person for the first time. So most of the time you're going to meet them by technology. And it is one of the blessings of technology, but there is nothing that falls short of gathering together in local communities as well as online. We gather together if there's a snowstorm or some sort of something happens outside, you go to your neighbors. And so we all have different situations that go on in, in our communities. And, and yet, as we connect with other communities, connecting communities of faith to increase our financial effectiveness, to increase the opportunities as we just break through these barriers, break it, open the door so that we can say, come Lord Jesus, I really, oh boy, I admit I've limited you. Oh yeah, we knew we need to be stewards, but we need to steward our relationship with you. We need to steward our relationship with others. We need to steward those desires and those dreams. We need to steward the little seeds that you've given us. And we need to ask you and to follow you because you will guide us. So the team that, that has been around for 10, 11, 12 years, we are, we're watching and we all, we talk. We're, we're all financial professionals in, from different backgrounds. And it's like, we need to do something. We need to say something because we talk and we're dealing with this too. One thing we know is that that guru model where somebody says, okay, I'm rich. You can be rich too. Just look at me and do this, 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 and this means that you direct your attention away from Jesus. And now you're looking at somebody else. It creates a yawning chasm 
between where you are and where you think you'd like to be, which is where somebody else is, but that may or may not be where God's leading you. And so that yawning chasm is what we realize we need to, to bridge. So while we are the messengers and where we um, have different levels of expertise that we can share, we are all gurus as we surrender to the obedience of Christ and we follow the Holy Spirit and we all admit that, hey, you know what, I know somebody who might know somebody that might know somebody that can help you with that. Or have you thought about this? And then take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ so that you don't go, yeah, but that'll never work. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. I mean, what if? What if? One of the things that we'll do is um, take a small seed and we're going to walk through examples of how do we multiply that to produce unlimited income. People go, well, how do you do that? Well, let's see and let's see what it's going to be for your life. Next week, God bless. In everything, Lord, we give you thanks. We give you the glory, and we thank you that right now, this message that is going out, that will land on ears to hear and eyes to see, that there will be um, an increase and a multiplication of the words, a multiplication of the people, that we can all gather together. Lord, right now, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is out there gathering the people, that we gather together, that as we gather, there you are. And so, Lord, I pray that whoever has a need right now, whoever has a question that you rise up in them such great strength and such great power hope that hope the evidence of things hoped for that faith renew faith and give them a fresh uh, a fresh level of anointing a fresh a fresh hope lord thank you for new possibilities as we look differently at this whole situation as we look at it from your perspective in your mighty name, Jesus, we pray, and I thank you for all of these people that have gathered around and that are helping, and for all of the people that you are bringing, even now. In your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Look forward to sharing more and hearing your success stories. God bless.